Pastor Brian told you about Pastor Gabe's uh, new baby born this weekend. So excited. What a good looking child. And I called him a few minutes after the baby was born and I got the voicemail. I don't know why they didn't answer the phone. And I sang happy birthday to little Tucker. And so I am the first one to ever sing happy birthday to little Tucker. What a beautiful, we got three pastors in our church that have just had babies. As Pastor Chris said a few months ago, uh, we're a very fruitful group of pastors. And we thank God for this new life. Uh, we're growing internally, uh, reproducing babies and seeing God do some great things. We're so glad you're here for week two of What If. And we're talking about, we're imagining, we're dreaming together what if we really believe God completely? What if we believe the Word, His Bible, and every word in it, and we trusted what His Word says, and we trusted what His Spirit says to our heart? And when, he, when we, we have a saying here, when, when God speaks, we move. What if we did everything He asked us to do, and we believed Him, and because of our faith, we stepped out beyond our comfort zone and believe God for miracles, for great things in our lives and in our families. What would happen to our community? What would happen to our church? Last week, we, we laid the foundation, and you have, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 11. We're going to be in Hebrews 11 now for a couple of months. And Hebrews 11 is a great segue of Old and New Testament. The book of Hebrews is about the superior way of the new covenant when Jesus Christ came and replaced all those Old Testament sacrifices that were just pictures of Jesus, the Lamb of God that would come. And Hebrews is all about showing us a better way, a better priesthood, a better Savior, better offering that was once and for all. All the offerings in the Old Testament, they kind of, they had to keep being repeated year after year. So the book of Hebrews is a book of a better way. And the, the, the better way is Jesus Christ and believing and trusting him. And so Hebrews chapter 11, the, chapter 10 ends with this. It says, we are not of those people who shrink back. We're going to keep moving ahead. If you look at your program, the little arrow that points to the right means that we're on the move for God. And we're not moving as fast as we want to, but by God's grace, we're moving. And we're moving forward. And we're going to trust him. And Hebrews says that God's people are not the people that shrink back and fall down whenever every little wind of change and difficulty comes along. We're moving ahead. And at celebration, we are determined to move forward in faith and to believe God for great things. What would happen if we really did? What if we really believed God? So last week we asked the question, what if we truly believe God and recognize his presence in every situation of our life? We had the hurricane last weekend threatening us and, and damaging our beaches. And I hope you'll keep praying for those people. Uh, we're very uh, in favor of our own ministry in our county, Samaritan's Purse. So this week I, put, I gave you a link to them and told you how to connect with them and there's ways to give. Uh, we want to minister to those people. But what if in every situation of our life we learn to trust God and experience His presence? So this whole series is about faith. What if... We believe God instead of those little voices in our head. Do you got those voices? Do, do any of you have the same voices that I do that tell you that you can't and that tell you that you're no good and that put fear in your heart 
and make you feel insecure, question your very identity? Do you have those little voices that speak to you like I have that speak to me? What if, what if instead of believing those voices and the voices of all those around us, if we believe the very word of God and we trust in him? So last week we laid the foundation of this whole series, which is about a better way, and the better way is faith. What if my entire life became a life of worship? Think about that for a minute. What if my entire life became a way of worship? That's what we're about today. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, we're going to read in a minute about a man named Abel, the first one who's recorded worshiping God in faith, and what happened to him, and why God was pleased with him. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be there in just a minute, Hebrews eleven four. But what if my entire life became about worship? And I want to tell you this. You might be surprised to hear this. Your entire life right now is about worship. The question is, what are you worshiping? Are you worshiping yourself? Are you worshiping your body? Are you worshiping your job or money or things? Are you worshiping your mate or a, a person in your life? Are you worshiping a, an identity that somebody has given to you? What are you worshiping? Because we're all worshipers. And it's all about what we value. Worship is about what we value. Worship is this. It's adoring reverence and honor. Adoring reverence and honor. What do you adore? What do you reverence? It's this. Worship is this. Declaring with lips and lives that God is more important than anything else. If people looked at your life and, and they could be really honest with you, would they say, boy, when I look at you, the priority I see in your life more than anything else, and it comes through in everything that you do and every word that you say and the way that you live your life. I know you're not perfect, but what comes through is that you adore God and you value him more than anything else. Worship is our response to what we value. Louis Giglio said that. He's a preacher and he, he does the passion conferences. Thousands of people come. He says, worship is our response to what we value. You can track it by looking at your checkbook, what you spend your money on. You can check it by looking at your schedule and your planner. How do you spend your time? You can check it by looking how you spend your free time. You can check what you value by the time and the money and the energy that you invest in the things in your life. What if my life became a life of true worship, the Bible says, in spirit and in truth, of the God of creation more than anything else? We valued him more than pleasure, more than success, more than money, more than anything. Well, the only way we can do that and we've learned, we're learning in Hebrews chapter 11 that it's all by faith. All the people that we're going to study over the next couple of months are people that were ordinary people just like you and me. They put their pants on the same way you do. They eat just like you do. They were human beings just like you do, with weaknesses just like you have and I have. And yet they believe God, the God of miracles, for extraordinary things. So we have to operate in the realm of faith if we're going to really be a true worshiper. And faith is this. Faith is focused confidence. 
in God, in the God who wants a relationship with us. Faith is focused. Focus is important. Faith is focused confidence in the God who wants a relationship with us. And you might not even believe the last part of that statement. God wants a relationship with me? Hey, man, I, I want you to know this. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you've done in life. doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter your family background. doesn't matter what kind of record you have or how much time you've done or what you drank or feasted on or taken into your body. God wants a relationship with you. And he makes it possible. We can come to him and we can be believing in him and we can trust him even the things that we don't understand. <coughs> what if we truly believe God for even the things we didn't understand, even the things we didn't agree with. And when he says it in his, in his word and he writes it there, we say, God, I don't even like that. But God, because you said it and you're God, I believe it. And I will trust you no matter what. So we're going to go to Hebrews 11 this morning and ask the question, would you like to be accepted by God, accepted by God in your worship? And here's something you may not know. There's a lot of people mentioned in the Bible who came to meetings just like this. And the Bible says they went away worse than when they came. We found that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Next week we're going to have the Lord's table. Can't wait to have communion together. Don't miss next week. God invites us into a perfect relationship with him. And he invites us to celebrate that in communion, remembering his death, burial, and resurrection. He, we can trust him no matter what. And we can have confidence in him no matter what. He invites us into communion with him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 says this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Okay, pause. How many of you have been in church at least enough or read your Bible at least enough to have heard of the story of Cain and Abel? Raise your hand. All right, Cain and Abel. You're, most everybody's familiar with it. Okay, so this is amazing. There's amazing things about Scripture is the, what it tells us about the origins of life. We talked last week about our origin, our purpose, and our destiny. And a lot of people that have scientific reasons to say that the first human beings were not very bright. Adam and Eve named all the animals. They had a vocabulary. They were brilliant. In the first generation of people, Adam produced, Adam and Eve came up with, Cain and Abel. They were real people who had real conversations, who had the ability to walk with God and the possibility of believing in God for great things and for miracles. Now this is the people, the first people that we find in the Bible. So in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous. That means right with God. God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Though he died, he still speaks. Let me ask you a question. After you pass from this earth, spent the weekend with my folks, and they're, they're not in great shape. Some of you have been there. Some, many of you have lost your folks. They will step into eternity and they know Jesus, and I'm excited about knowing where they're going to go. But when you leave this earth, when your heart stops beating and your brain stops functioning, maybe one of those has happened already. <laughs> when that happens, what will people be saying about you? 
What will people be saying about you? Well, here in, in Hebrews 11, God is commending different people, some of them for simp- all of them for their faith, but some of them, out of their faith, they did stupendous things, fantastic things that blow our mind. Some of them were just average, ordinary people that still believed God. And God commends them in Hebrews chapter 11. Abel is one of those people who, after his death, his life kept speaking. By the way, it doesn't matter how you live. Your life does will continue to speak, either positively or negatively. You will impact people for the kingdom of God in a positive way or in a negative way because death is never the last word in life. There is an eternity to follow. And your words and your life and your lifestyle and your attitude will be remembered and people will be talking about you. Here's the first thing I want us to notice this morning about this man of faith named Abel is that faith enabled Abel. (laughs) Faith enabled Abel. Now, I know enabling sort of is a negative connotation nowadays when we talk about enabling people with bad lifestyles and we're not talking about enabling itself is not a bad word but enabling we want to enable the right things we want to enable the right characteristics in our life and the the right people and the bible says that faith enabled abel it enabled him for what faith enabled abel to worship and to be accepted By the time Jesus came on the earth, the Old Testament system, the Bible gives us all the Old Testament, all the laws, the Ten Commandments, and the 612 or 13 commandments in the Old Testament, not to say that we could be saved if we followed all those things, because we certainly can't. He gave us all those things and the sacrifices in the Old Testament to show us a way to God. By the time Jesus came on the earth, and by the time the apostles wrote, and by the time whoever wrote Hebrews wrote Hebrews, This system had been totally become sick. People were trusting themselves and their works and their good deeds. They weren't believing God. And here's what God said in a paraphrase, my paraphrase, to some people that worship, just like you and I are trying to do this morning. He said about some people that came, he says, I'm sick of your feast. I'm sick of your celebrations. When you sing the songs and not think about them. When you sing the songs, it turns my stomach. Because there's a, there's a right way to worship God, and there's a wrong way to worship God, and God is the one that prescribes the right way. Amen? We have to come to God God's way. Because lots of people come, and they say, well, it doesn't really matter how you worship. It doesn't even matter whom you worship. Just as long as you worship, just as long as you believe something like faith in faith, faith in the, in the concept of faith rather than faith in the God of the Bible and obedience and faith in what he says. So faith enabled Abel to be a true worshiper. And listen, this is important. And to be accepted. I don't know about you, but when I, when I meet God in eternity, I want to be accepted. I don't want to be turned away. When I have my day with God, and you will, you say, well, I don't believe in God. It's okay. You'll have your day with Him. You will meet God. You will have your death date. Your date with destiny will come. And you will meet God. 
And I want to be accepted by God. Abel was accepted by God. Why? Why was he accepted? Well, I think one thing that's critically important is that he had the right attitude. He had an attitude of humility. He realized that he needed faith in God to save him and that he had to do what God prescribed, not what he wanted to do, not to produce something from his own hands that he could say, God, uh, you want this. And God had set the example in the Old Testament of uh, offering a sacrifice. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden? And what did they do? They ran and tried to hide from God, right? You and I have done that too, haven't we? Think we do stuff in the dark that we're hiding from God. Or if we go away, far away, and nobody else knows that we've concealed our activity. Adam and Eve ran away from God instead of ran to God. We always need to be running towards God, not away from God. Some of you are running from God right now. Some area of your life, you know you're running from God. Adam and Eve ran from God, and they had been enjoying a relationship as husband and wife of complete openness and honesty. They were naked, not ashamed. They enjoyed God, and they enjoyed each other in the way that God made them, and sin ruined it all. And they ran away. And what did they, what did they make for themselves? Somebody say it out loud. They try to make clothes, right? Leaves. What happens to leaves after a while? Not very effective. So God came along and he says, what happened? Why are you running? Why are you hiding from me? We used to talk. We used to hang out. What's happened? And sin had blurred their vision of God and their faith in God. And they ran away. And God came and he clothed them with what? What did he clothe them with? Say it out loud. Animal skins, right? What do you suppose happened to that animal? Oh, Peter would have a fit, wouldn't they? I love animals too. But God was showing us that the, 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 the seriousness of sin is so serious that blood had to be shed. And God had given them that example. And we don't, although we're not privy to the conversation that Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel had had with God about what worship should look like, God had shown them the blood sacrifice. And God had said in Genesis 3.15 that the, the seed of the woman is going to be stepped on, going to be bruised, heels going to be bruised, but in doing so will crush the head of the serpent. A picture of Jesus' blood sacrifice that would come. So this, the sacrifice had been laid out. It had been exemplified. God had given an example. And they knew, Cain and Abel knew what God required. God apparently had a place and a time for worship. An altar probably for worship. God had laid it out. And Abel came with a right attitude. I heard a long time ago, and I've got written in, in an old briefcase that I have. It's got little, the little three digits on each side. You had to put the combination in because, after all, as a Bible college student, I had secret, top secret papers in my briefcase. And I, I, my numbers for those were 969. That's how long Methuselah lived, the oldest man to ever live. Next week, we've got a riddle for you, but I'll tell you that next week. But anyway, I had to put 969 on both sides of that little briefcase and open it up and on the inside 
there's two words written, vision and attitude. Vision and attitude. And your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. Well, what attitude did Cain and Abel come with? Well, Abel came with the right attitude. His, he came in humility. He didn't say, God, here's what I'm producing with my hands. He said, God, here's what you require. And God, in faith, I'm going to believe you that you can save me even though I'm not worthy of saving, even though I'm a sinner. And he came in humility. He recognized his need. He came in faith in the sacrifice that God had prescribed. And he came in obedience. Faith's first enabling step for us is the same. One sacrifice. The Lamb program or whatever in Hebrews chapter 11. But go to Genesis chapter 4 with me. Verses 1 through 8. We, ride, we read this um, first account of the first family and their progeny, their children, and what happened with the very first family after sin was introduced. It's tragic how fast sin voraciously destroys families. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew his wife. That means he had sexual relationship with his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel, now, let's pause there a second. Some people think it's possible they could have been twins. The Bible doesn't say for sure. But sometime after, whether it was a few minutes after or a few years after, they were brothers. It's funny. Yesterday, I was with my grandkids in Charlotte, and we got a set of twins in the family. And the little boy was born before his little sister. And yesterday, he braggingly said, I'm four minutes older than my sister. Well, Cain and Abel were brothers. We're not sure if they were twins, but they certainly were born fairly close together, it appears. And so she, the, uh, they, she bore Cain and she bore Abel, his brother. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, verse 3 of Genesis 4, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. He had regard, in other words, God approved. We're looking for God's approval. Abel got it. To Abel and to his offering, the Lord had regard, verse 5 says now, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. He was disapproved. So if you had a stamp that says approved, 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 Cain comes along, disapproved. So Cain was angry and his face fell. You know what that means when the face falls. Those of you who are married and you make your mate upset, their countenance changes, right? When your children get upset because you take away their PlayStation 3, or their cell phone, their countenance changes. You know what I'm talking about. All right, so his count, he got so mad, he was spitting mad. And his face changed. By the way, if you're living in anger, you're going to have a sourpuss countenance. His countenance fell. He was angry at his brother. In verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your face fallen? 
If you do well, will you not be accepted? Now listen to the next words. This is important. If you do not well, sin is crouching at the door like a lion. David Karen Brenner in South Africa now. We think about lions there. If you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. In other words, it's not good for you. But you must rule over it. So God still said to Cain, you're mad, but now get your anger in check and do what I've told you to do. Come to me my way with the right attitude of faith, not arrogance and pride, and it'll be okay. So God's still extending grace to him. Now what happens in verse 8? Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, and Abel killed him. I mean, he, and he rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Cain killed Abel. So he was no longer Abel. How in the world can this happen? Have you ever felt like killing your brother or sister? Or your husband or your wife? Anger left unchecked is going to lead to disastrous effects. Pride left unchecked leads to disastrous effects and not being accepted by God. God said, you still have a chance to get this right. You remember what I told you. You know what I said to bring. Bring it. Now, what did Cain do for a living? What did he raise? He raised crops. So it's possible that he raised Cain. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. He raised crops. Nothing wrong with offering a crop to God. Some places in the Old Testament, they offered crops to God, but that's not what God required here. The very first way to come to God is through the sacrifice of blood to take care of your own sin. And God had told him, clearly laid out exactly what was required, but he chose to come to God or to try to come to God his own way. What did Abel raise? Flocks. Sheep, maybe. Maybe some goats. Uh, maybe some alpaca. I don't know what all he raised. But some of what he raised was a lamb. Now, what's not significant is what, they, what their vocation was, but their attitude towards God was had to be God says to come this way, and no matter what you do, or no matter what part of the world you live in, or no matter what other people say, no matter what other options you think might be good, God says there's only one way to get to me and to please me. So what was Cain's problem? He was Cain, disabled faith, and able. Cain disabled Abel. He disabled faith. He, faith did not work for Cain because he chose to come in pride. What does God resist more than anything? God resists the proud. God resisted Cain because he didn't come his way and he rejected him from worship and from being acceptance. He had a wrong attitude. Now, I have a, I have a theory as well. Because he raised crops, he wanted to bring his own thing, 
So he came with a bad attitude, with the wrong sacrifice, to offer what he had rather than what God required. So the first problem for Cain was that he had a bad attitude. The second problem for Cain was this. He could have been vegan. He was vegetarian. I had a good steak for supper last night. And, uh, you know, I, I've talked to vegans, and sometimes they seem to be more healthy than other people. But they create all these items to make them look like meat that are not really meat. And he could have just been really irritated because he didn't have a good steak for dinner. The, the real point is, aside from my poor attempt at humor, is that he attempted to come to God his own way with his own provision. Rejected. Faith enabled Abel, but Cain disabled faith and disabled Abel. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, we read these words. In Hebrews 9, 22, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with what? Blood. God had given the example. A tragic thing to take a little innocent lamb from a flock, maybe a pet. We like, we're horrified. And God has given for us a picture of the depravity of sin and the effects of sin being so serious that a little animal would be offered. And even more tragically, later on, the Son of God himself, the creator of the little lamb, would suffer. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no what? Forgiveness of sins. You want to be forgiven of your sins? You can't come to God your own way. You can't prescribe your own method. You can't come with the fruit of your hands and what you've produced. You have to come with what only God can provide for salvation. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. The Lord God made Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. We gave you that illustration a minute ago. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. So Hebrews is about better. The Old Testament was a picture. The New Testament was way better. The New Testament sacrifice was once and for all, not all the time. Way better. Hebrews 12, 24, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, Abel offered what, only, what God had provided in the crops. And whether you raise crops or whether you raise animals, it's only God can, can bring them about, right? You have to trust God for his provision. Cain did not, and Abel did. It's interesting to me that the first recorded act of worship was a sacrifice of a sin offering of blood, but it also produced the first martyr. Ever since this time, false religions, Fake, we talk about fake news today, fake religions, alternative religions of offering to God something else or believing in a different God never work. And the very first person that truly came with the right attitude and with the right offering because they came in faith and he was committed for his faith and he believed God for the offering. The very first recorded act of worship was sacrifice of a sin offering, but it produced the first martyr. And there's been wars and rumors of wars in our world of warring factions that compete against what the Bible says about the only way to God. 
In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, we read these words. There is salvation in, read me the next two words, no one else. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You say, that's not fair. God says there's only one way, and God is God. It's not up for us to say what's fair. God made it available to everybody. And there's people all around the globe in different cultures and language groups and people groups and, and ethnicities who've come to faith in Jesus Christ. But the Bible makes it clear there's only one way. So faith enabled Abel, Cain disabled faith and Abel. And here's the third important concept for today. Only faith in the Lamb enables worship. You want to be a good worshiper that's accepted by God? Only faith in the Lamb enables worship. So now we're talking about the right sacrifice. Why was Abel accepted and Cain rejected? Because they did, he did not, Cain did not come in faith and he brought the wrong sacrifice. The idea that one way is just as good as another does not seem to be accepted in any area of life except religion and morality. Think about that. In medicine, the doctor comes and says, hey, you've got this cancer. It needs to come out. There's no other way to save you. In finances, you say, if you spend more than you save, if you spend more than you make, you're going to have financial issues. And God says to to us to be careful in managing our money. And there's no other way we understand that, even though we don't necessarily live like it. But in religion and in morality, we, send, we tend to say, well, to say there's only one way is ridiculous. But in every other of area of life, we understand that concept. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. In other words, Cain's way. Cain said, I'm going to come on my own terms. I'm going to come in my own way. I'm going to bring my own offering to God. And then he got mad when God didn't accept him. But the Bible says the way that seems right to man is the wrong way, and it leads to death. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Let me set up the story. In the Old Testament, God required children of Israel to do some things, some things that seemed strange to us, where they, had, they were in battles, and they had to wipe these people out and so forth. And so there was this thing going on in these battles, and they won, and God says, now... For whatever reason God had, and I don't know what they are, but God's God, he said, wipe out all the livestock. Don't add them to your flocks. I don't know why God said it, but God's God, and he did. Well, some guys, like people today, many religious people today, thought, well, that's just a waste of resources. I'm going to keep it. So King Saul said, let's keep the best of these flocks, and let's... Use them. Now, 1 Samuel 15, 22, we, we pick up the story. Samuel said, Samuel's the man of God, the prophet of God, that speaks forth the word of God clearly, no matter if it's popular or not. Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? So they said, well, look, if we keep all these animals, we can offer some of them up as sacrifices, and it'll please God, and there'll be an uh, incense in God's nostrils. And so they're, they're trying to justify disobedience to God. He said, Samuel, the prophet says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? 
Behold, no. You need to memorize this next phrase. If you remember nothing else from today, remember this next phrase. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen than the fat of rams. There's only one Faith in the Lamb is the only way that enables worship. And the the next important truth is this. My sacrifice is no substitute for obedience. (laughs) I had a friend who was a pastor and counselor, and he he had a funny illustration. Joanna reminded me of it the other day. He says, you know, people come in for counseling, and you tell them what to do, and they say, well, I'm going to try something different, you know. And so he used the illustration. He said, this guy comes in, and he's just doing his arm like this. He said, Doctor, I just, I, I just can't stop doing my arm like this. You know, some of you have seen uh, um, Bob Newhart just stop it on the Internet. If you haven't seen that, you've got to go find it. It's hilarious. But anyway, same idea. So he comes in and he says, well, just, just stop doing that. He says, well, no, I can do this too, you know. He said, well, just stop doing that. My, your arm's getting sore and tired. Well, I can also spin around, and he, he never stops it. And so the Bible says that my sacrifice is no substitute for doing what God says. God says, stop it. God says, bring the blood sacrifice. Trust the only way, regardless of what everybody else says. Come to me by faith. And you've got to get this order right. We talked about that last week. You don't obey so that you can get favor with God. You believe in God. And all these people in Hebrews are being commended because they believed what God said. And out of that belief, God produced obedience. Then they obeyed. They believed what God said. They believed who God was. And regardless of the circumstances, they did what he said. But we say, well, Lord, I'm going to keep doing this. But look, I can also do this. And I can do this. And we look crazy. And we're saying, God says, stop it. This is not right. And we say, well, but God, I gave you money last month. I told somebody about Jesus. I came to church, and God says, Well, you see this thing in your life that I've been speaking to you about a long time? You've got to get rid of that by my power. And we refuse. The scripture says, To obey is better than sacrifice. My sacrifice is no substitute for obedience. So there's only one way the lamb, that's the right sacrifice. And my sacrifice is no substitute for my obedience. Not only do we have to bring the right sacrifice, we have to come the right way. Abel brought the right sacrifice in faith, and he came in the way that God said to come. Proverbs chapter... uh, um, I'm sorry. The illustration is this. So i got to stop doing what God says to stop doing. And in order to come to him... I believe what he says, and because I believe, I'm going to do what he says. Faith in God and in his word, not faith in faith. And so for for Abel, this faith led to three progressive things for him. When we believe God, when we believe God, it leads to three things. Number one, worship, true worship. We can't come to God our own terms in our own way. Any way we want, we come in true worship when we believe God, it leads also to true righteousness. Cain's sacrifice was rejected. God disapproved. God didn't say, oh, you brought the wrong thing, but it's okay. Come on in. True faith leads to true worship. True faith leads to true righteousness. And then true faith leads to true witness. Back in 
Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4, it said that he was commended as righteous. Was able righteous? No. He was commended as righteous because he trusted God to put righteousness on him. He trusted God for what he could not provide himself. And God took that faith, and the Bible says he accounted it to him like he did for Abraham and for others who lived by faith. He put it to his account for righteousness, so it led to true witness, which God said, come on in. I accept you. Cain, on the other hand, is the father of all fake religions. He's the father of all fake religions that says it doesn't really matter if you stop doing this. It doesn't really matter if you believe in a different God. It doesn't really matter what sacrifice you bring. Cain is the father of all fake religions. And false religion, fake religion, is trying to come to God any other way than the way that God has prescribed. And God lays it out clearly in this book, the Bible. And the only way to be pleasing to God is by faith in Him and what He says. False religion is trying to come to God any other way than the way that God has prescribed. Abel offered a better sacrifice because it represented, listen, this is important, it represented obedient faith. Faith came first, and God committed him for faith, but then when God said, okay, now you've come to me by faith, but you're still doing this, and God says, in order for, for you to walk with me and to be in relationship with me, you've got to get that out of your life. That looks silly. You've got to do what I say because you believe what I said. Abel offered a better sacrifice because it represented obedient faith. So Abel came with the right attitude, faith. He came with the right sacrifice, blood. And he came the right way in obedience. Now, this is beautiful. I love the way the Bible fits together. If you're not excited about the Bible, listen, some days, I've got to be honest with you, occasionally, I'll miss it. Now, you can fire me as your pastor if you want to. Occasionally, I'll miss reading the Bible. But it kills me. It destroys my day. I don't read my Bible because somebody said a long time ago, you need to read your Bible every day. I need my Bible because I need to hear from God. I need him in my life. I need to refocus and get my perspective right. And I get that from the word of God. In Abel's sacrifice in the Old Testament that pointed to the sacrifice in the New Testament, the way of the cross was prefigured. The way of the cross of Jesus Christ was given in that picture of the Old Testament sacrifices. Let me give you, let me tell you what I mean. Abel's, Abel's sacrifice was one lamb for one person. God said to Abel, you got to bring a lamb. I don't care what everybody else is bringing. The only way to come to me is a blood sacrifice. And so he, he said, bring a lamb. Abel's lamb was one lamb for one person. Remember later when God brought uh, the plagues upon the Egyptians? They were trying to get Pharaoh to let God's people go. The Israelis were captives. And God kept bringing all these plagues upon them. And the last one was the angel of death. And God said, you've got you to offer a lamb again. Tragic. And you've got to take the blood and put it on the lintel and on the doorpost, a picture of the cross. Abel's lamb was one sacrifice for one person. During the Passover, when the angel of death was passing over, the Passover lamb was one lamb for one family. He said, every family needs to do this, and if you don't, 
The firstborn in the family is going to die. God, again, showing the severity of the consequences of sin. So Abel's lamb was one lamb for one person. Passover lamb was one lamb for one family. The Day of Atonement. Later when God was remembering all these things that he did, and they said, now I want you for your whole nation to bring a lamb. So the, the Day of Atonement was one lamb for one nation. But when we come to the New Testament to which all of those things pointed, Calvary, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God on Calvary, on the cross, was one lamb for one world. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you don't have to offer lambs and sacrifices on the altar anymore? Jesus has paid it all. He paid it all for us. There's no other way to get to God than that the one sacrifice for the whole world. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says that, that Old Testament sacrifices had to keep being offered daily and monthly and annually. But Jesus Christ, when he had made one sacrifice for sin, he laid down himself once for all time and for all people. That's you and me. That's how we can come to God, by a better sacrifice than even Abel's sacrifice. Abel's sacrifice simply pointed towards the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. Man must believe and obey God's revelation. Listen, this is important. Man must believe and obey God's revelation above his own reason and self-will, or you will face eternal punishment. You say, well, it's not reasonable. God said it. It doesn't make sense. God said it. Do you think your reason is higher than the reason of the creator of all the universe? Man must believe and obey God's revelation above his own reason, self-will, or face eternal punishment. Jesus said, if a man says he loves me, he'll do the things that I say. When he comes to me by faith through the one lamb and, and I point something out to him that needs to happen in his life, that he listens and he obeys because of his faith. Would you write this down? Jesus' sacrifice as our substitute was in obedience to the Father. Even Jesus' sacrifice by what God said for him to do was in obedience. How dare we not obey? His sacrifice was made in faith towards God and followed up with obedience. As a next step today, would you write this down? I will trust Jesus' sacrifice. I will trust Jesus' sacrifice. And I will worship him in obedience. I will worship him. Two questions and we pray. Have you trusted the only sacrifice that can give you acceptance before God? And that's the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the perfect one who died, buried, and rose again for you. Promises he'll come again. If you've never done that, when you stand before God, and you will stand before God one day, you will be rejected like Cain. You can get angry about it. You can even kill people because they say that's the only way. But it won't change your standing before God. Do you know Jesus? And then, listen, many of you are believers already. What is this for you? Is it an attitude 
of arrogance or disobedience? Is it an attitude of unforgiveness? Is it being thoughtless with your finances and excluding God from that part of your life? Is it a relationship that you are in that you know you're not supposed to be in? What is this for you? If you come to God by faith, then in obedience, when He speaks, you step. Would you confess to Him this this morning and say, God, Your Word says that if you love me, you'll obey me. What is it that He's doing in your life right now? Would you pray with me? God, I pray for that man or woman or young person who's watching this video or listening to the podcast or the person sitting right here in our building who's never trusted the only sacrifice that can take away sin. We pray for their salvation right now. And wherever you sit, if you've never trusted Jesus, would you cry to him right now in your heart? You don't have to say these words out loud. It's not even the words that save you, but the attitude of your heart. Dear God, I'm a sinner. And you sent your son Jesus to die. And I don't understand all about that. But I heard he rose again. and He was witnessed by over 500 eyewitnesses that saw him arise from the grave and saw him and talked to him. So God, right now I cry out to you in faith to come to you your way and I ask you to forgive me of my sin and come into my life. Take over. and Be my Savior. Anybody pray that prayer this morning for the first time? This morning you came to the Lamb of God. Would you raise your hand? I'd like to know that. Anybody at all in our building that pray, pray to receive Jesus Christ? Okay, yes. Thank you. I see the hand. Anybody else? That decision just changed your eternal destiny. Thank God for that. Now, Christians, what is it that God's been speaking to you about that you haven't listened to? And you say, well, God, I I can do all these other things. But God said, well, there's something that I'm speaking to you about and you won't listen. Would you say to him right now, dear God, you know what that is for me. And, And name it. A relationship an attitude, a sin, a lack of faith, bitterness, unforgiveness. God, in faith, I give it to you. And I repent. I turn away from it. God, I ask you for deliverance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing about Jesus is the only way. He's the only one that paid it all for us. Let's sing as we worship.